Welcome to another episode of At Home With Leaders, this series that is part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. Its aim is to unearth stories and insights from the top people within high performance and what they're doing as sport returns to our lives and edges back to some sort of new normality. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute, and I'd like to say hello again to all the returning listeners and say a big welcome to you who are listening for the first time. It is a pleasure to have you with us. In a moment, we'll be having a conversation with John Thorrington, discussing his time in the MLS bubble, their return to play strategy, as well as the strengthening relationship between the athletes and medical staff. All these topics and more have been popular amongst our members at the moment, both at our events and in our virtual roundtables. In fact, two topics coming up on our virtual roundtable schedule are performing under pressure and what is the future of high performance. If you'd like to find out more about our events, content, virtual learning and networking by becoming a member of our unrivaled network of the world's high performance community that spans all sports and all aspects of high performance, then please visit leadersinsport.com forward slash performance. We're delighted that this podcast is supported by Football Manager, the global hit computer simulation. Now, you'll know from previous episodes that like many people at my age, I'm personally a huge fan of the game. But more importantly, Football Manager is built on the largest and most comprehensive database in world football, featuring more than 350,000 active players and staff across 51 countries and compiled by more than 1,300 scouts. In today's data age, Football Manager data is used by professional clubs at all levels to help identify talent to optimise their recruitment process. To find out more, email data at footballmanager.com. As always, it's a pleasure to have my co-host from California alongside me once again. It's founder and CEO of Gaines Group, Mr. Steve Gira. How is California and LA this morning, Steve? LA's great. We had a little bit of a cold spell last week. It was like down in the in the 60s for us. But now it's uh, it's coming back up. It's starting to get warm again. The Dodgers are hot. You know, we got MLS back um, and we got some guys from LA back in LA, um, on, you know, in some ways unfortunate, but we're going to talk about their experience and, and talk a little bit about where MLS kind of goes from here. Excited to do that today. Absolutely. Good to hear. Well, I guess today someone we've known for a number of years uh, and is, was an integral part of building one of the most exciting new teams in world sport is GM and EVP of Los Angeles Football Club. It's John Thornton. Good morning or good afternoon, John. How are you today? Just getting into the afternoon here, Matthew. Uh, I, I'm great. Great to be here with you guys and excited to have a conversation with you all. Back in California now with, with the family, I understand, correct? I am. That's the silver lining. I'm sure I'm going to get a question about my last couple of days. But yes, just uh, you, the, I know that the title of the podcast is At Home. I'm only recently at home as of two days ago, but certainly happy to be back in Southern California and, and back with my, my wife and kids. Well, it's, um, it's a pleasure to have you with us and thank you for making the time when you've, when you've jumped back into, into that world. We'll, we'll jump into the last few weeks absolutely at some point, but it, in terms of lockdown uh, as a whole, you know, it's, it's been a different experience for everyone, I think, that we've spoken to on, on all the previous episodes and you're obviously pretty new, unique for your team and like I said, we'll jump into that. But how did you find like, lockdown professionally, personally? What did, you, what did you focus your time on? You know, as we'll get into, I've just returned from the bubble in in Orlando with the rest of the major league soccer team, well, some of some of whom are still there. But in large part, it was various phases of the lockdown where this feels like a lifetime ago, but the, the first game that was canceled was actually ours. We had a return leg of a champ. Uh, we had a first leg of a Champions League game scheduled at our at the Bank California Stadium on a Thursday night. And Wednesday, that Wednesday night was when everything hit in the NBA. And Thursday, I was preparing as normal for for a game and all of a sudden it hit. So at first, it was just sort of triage and figuring out what was coming. We didn't know whether it would last days, weeks, months, what was coming. So 
first it was just trying to lay a foundation and put some solid ground under our feet uh, and dealing with everything that came, which seemed to change daily. And then as we settled into the overabused term now of this new normal, we tried our best to be very nimble and adapt and make the most of what we were presented with. You know, honestly, that meant a lot. A lot of my time was spent actually in preparation for the bubble and and various protocols with return with a safe return to training and then the safe return to play in Orlando and uh, helping get the football side that that perspective into the league office as they made those plans and then also it did enable a period of reflection where we could actually step back and take a bit more of a 10,000 foot view at the whole operation so things like scouting and more strategic initiatives that we were looking to address when we were out of the the day the game to game grind that we were expecting for the season uh, we did try to make the most of it and that was both professionally and personally you know when we working from home shifted my calendar obviously not just geographically but my schedule I mean typically I'm out the door I don't see my kids until dinner time I'm out the door early and you know the you guys know in professional sports in season is uh, a lot of hours that we dedicate and we love doing it you are away from home quite a bit and travel and what have you and so to shift back into or shift into not back into but to, for the first time to work from home and taking advantage of that personally and realizing, frankly, that there were probably hours I spent at the office where I probably could have been efficient and done done a call at home and done a Zoom call and, and then enabled me to spend more time with the family. And I'm, I've always avowed to never be that my family will not suffer for my job. Um, my family comes first, but I did notice and and find times where I could work just a little bit differently, which would not affect my work product professionally, but would benefit uh, my time with my family. So in all, that was, despite the chaos going on, the real blessing for me was you know, being able to go around the block with my kids on their bikes and skateboards and things far more often than I otherwise would. So that was the blessing for me amidst all the chaos. John, I'm, I'm really curious, like going forward, do you think being able to work in this environment is going to change the way that you work in the, in, you know, in the future environment? Because like, and everyone's been talking about like, you know, Zoom, the Zoom meetings and being able to work remotely is going to fundamentally change the way you know, big corporations from Facebook and Microsoft work all the way down to, you know, s smaller businesses, you know, hopefully your wife's not listening, but is, is there a chance that like she's going to see you, you around the house more often over the course of the next uh, couple of years or, or, or maybe you, uh, maybe that's not such a great thing, but do you, do you honestly like, you know, no, kidding aside, do you think that this is going to change the way that uh, sports teams can think about operating in the future. Yeah, without speaking of other organizations, I think it absolutely will. And and the, the organizations you mentioned and other industries, I think, are far more conducive to working remotely. I will never work remotely, so I don't think there is going to be sort of a revolution in in our industry. There is so much that happens face to face, and it's the connecting with people and and our our sport, our industry, it, it does not lend itself well to a fully remote work environment. However, I do absolutely think, and it's actually my hope that I hold myself to this and I don't just fall back into the old patterns. You know, there were times, I was probably five times a year, I would fly for three days and be gone for meetings that I'm not going to say it's 100% as productive as when you're in person, but maybe it's 90%. And that other, that, that, but you pick up far more than 10% in what enables you to do otherwise. And for me, I absolutely, and I hope 
that it does shift and make me more efficient. I mean, just, you know, Steve, we don't live far away from each other. Just the hour in the car, which I make as productive as I can. But if I can avoid that, and that just gives you an hour to eat, whether that's devoted to something else you're doing work-wise, or it's time with the family. And one thing that I noticed, and maybe this is, you know, uh, that I do think is a function of how we were working. I did find that when things slowed down and some of the slowdown has obviously had really negative consequences, our industry and others, but slowing down, I think was really helpful because it made me realize that, you know, running a million miles an hour all the time is not actually an efficient way to work. And I certainly took on board quite a few of those lessons where I did spend that extra time at home. I spent more time with the family and it did not you know, and, and I'm never going to do anything to the detriment of my work, but I, I, I do absolutely think that it will shift some of my working hours for sure. Going back to real quick, going back to the reflective component of uh, the time you spent, you know, once once you got done triaging, you've worked on one of the more ambitious and I think like globally, one of the more applauded projects over the last six years. I mean, the way that LAFC was introduced as an organization to the community of L.A., to MLS uh, and even globally, I know you know you know clubs like FC Barcelona, clubs like Dortmund. I mean, they're very very appreciative and very complimentary of of the club that you guys have crafted and created over time. Was part of that reflective period as well? Like, were you able to sit back and actually take stock of the organization that you know you you know Larry you know, Penn and everyone else had, had kind of created and, and really like look at it and say, okay, now we've done a really great job of establishing like who we are in this great club. Now what's next? So t- can you talk a little bit about that? Like, did you guys actually take stock of what you guys had accomplished over the last six years? Not formally. I do think, you know, it, it's, it's high praise when you hear, hear that we have had a, an impact uh, in some small way or big way um, globally, because that really was the ambition was to, create a global club and a global brand and by no means are we there yet this is kind of a blessing and a curse but in pro sports it's really hard you're sort of I always feel like complacency is chasing me down all the time and like it's always what's next and the best is yet to come and you know for me in our sporting side and the football operation and what we have done as a as a as an organization and as a club I think has been incredible and I think it's down to really top leadership and alignment and connecting with the community of Los Angeles and all all the things that 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 people realize that we have done to set the trajectory of this club but for me I just see us still with so much more to do you know that while I don't want to be a miser and not enjoy the success we've had, but success can also be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I, I, I do feel at times like that is just drumming away in my head and we've got so much more to do. And that's, you know, there are far, uh, this pandemic and, and the world recently and all the events that's going on is ironic because it makes you feel like really what does sports matter? However, sports is now we're seeing is like what unites people when all this stuff is going on. And it's such a powerful platform for for voices. So, you know, we did feel all of that, you know, but that like we were on, we had such momentum at the beginning of the season. We were about to go into Champions League and all the rest of that was taken away from us, at least in the in the short term. But my focus admittedly has just been on getting this group and we have hired an incredible staff and just the, the focus is continually giving them what they need to push this group forward. So I'd say I'm not quite at the point yet where I'm satisfied 
and uh, and formally taking stock of, of what has come. I think we're proud of it, but only insofar as it serves as what is to come in the next few years. Just just on that, and I think one of the great things every time I've spent time with you, John, is, is you and the club are always striving to, to be better each year and to build on what, what you've done. A, a very quick rewind, though, for those maybe not as quite f- as familiar as as, as the journey and the uh, that you guys have been on I mean the team is so well known now globally but in terms of core values beliefs pillars you know the, you identified right at the start of that journey at the start of the club do they exist now or have they evolved I mean how do they, how, how do they look and, and did you did you take some time to maybe reflect on that and uh, as the seasons went on you know goals shift and things like that and even as we've seen in this pandemic, you know, the missions of clubs should never change, but our methods might. And I think that's what we've had to refine, certainly in the recent term, is how do we maintain our connection with our supporters, with our city, at a time where we can't physically be near each other, at a time where our 22-odd thousand rabid fans can't actually come together as a community physically. How do we still deliver upon that? But our those pillars of being a uniting force for good in Los Angeles that that has not changed that will never change and we've had to get creative in how we still serve the needs of our of our supporters of our city everything from turning the stadium into a, a testing site where p- people can give blood all, all these different things that we still slightly pivot exactly how we are delivering on our promise to our city in different methods and things but the the mission, certainly that founded the club, that drove the club, uh, will continue to now and then whenever the other side of this pandemic is, which we're greatly anticipating and looking forward to, um, that will never change. And and uh, so, so and so you just got back Friday or Saturday, right, John, from from uh, from Saturday. The yeah, we played Friday night. So so looking back on looking at the culture, like how, how did the culture kind of support you guys going into the bubble? Do you feel like it was a, a competitive advantage for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I have to give so much credit. I can't give enough credit to our staff and our uh, players. To be in LA throughout this pandemic, to go through, you know, that isolated quarantine, then individual training, small group training, to training, to the bubble, and not one of our players has tested positive. Not one of our staff has tested positive. And that just showed, I think, that the the motivation to stay disciplined was because they enjoy being together so much. And in that period, they wanted to get back together and training and being around each other that they were so disciplined both pre-bubble and within the bubble. You know, I just have to give so much credit to to the group of technical staff, performance staff, all the support staff, and then also the players and their commitment, you know, despite being disappointed at, at getting knocked out in the, the quarterfinals of the tournament, the guys get like spilled their guts out. I mean, we, the conditions... You know, we had the tightest turnaround in games and they really just gave everything they could. And I absolutely think that is underpinned by our culture. And these guys want to make the city proud. They want to make the supporters proud. And and they do. And I, I, I just have to give so much credit for how they handled themselves 
uh, both both in the buildup and then certainly at in Orlando. And then now, as you look at to what's next, we, we have to continue with that. We can't get complacent there. And uh, in order to continue playing, we have to stay disciplined, safe, professional, etc. And I think so far we've seen that our players have, have embraced that challenge. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's next here um, in just a few minutes. But let, let's go back to like the first week or two that you were you were actually in the bubble. You know, the, the folks who are listening here, you know, some, some are working for Premier League or La Liga clubs who you know, took the approach that you're you're going to be taking here shortly um, as far as playing in home markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was the bubble like? Like, what, what was that like in the first two weeks? Yeah, a bit surreal, to be honest. I mean, you, you never you in the so we were the last team because our group was the last to play. We were the last we went last. So there was already there were already teams that had gone there. Some chose to go earlier than needed so they could, because of the situation within their home market and to enable them to get training and prepare for the tournament. So a lot of teams were, all the teams were already there. I think two teams arrived with us on July 6th. So you're hearing about all the things and as is the case, you typically, the negative voices are typically the loudest. And so you heard every single speed bump that happened. And the very real one was that there were positive cases in the bubble. And the the league was very brave in creating this tournament and taking chances before any other major sport had done so. And I think there are obvious advantages to that. But the disadvantage is we had nobody to learn from. There's no roadmap. There's no manual to any of these things. And they learned a lot every day before we got there. And that was around testing protocol. That was around isolating, you know, because within the bubble and they don't broadcast this, but you get some false positives. So, you know, we had one and you get a false positive and you're like, oh my gosh. And you think of all the various nightmare doomsday scenarios that might stem out of this one positive. And then it comes back and thankfully they were false, but it was a, it was a surreal experience. And I think for us, by the time we got there, the lessons had been learned. The positive, the real, the true positive cases had been isolated, and unfortunately, that meant Dallas and Nashville couldn't compete. But they isolated those cases, and I think the stress of that initial week we did not experience, or at least not directly. And other than those first five, ten days, and then you get through the latency period where someone from our group might have, might have it, but be, but not. Uh, pop on a positive test just yet. The viral load hasn't yet gotten to a level where it would cross the threshold and create a positive test. You get through the latency period and then you can sort of relax. And that is not to say that people were reckless, but you can sort of relax and then you you start to build up days where X number of days now where there's not been one true positive in the bubble. So you do get, I mean, it's the safest place in the world. Everything went smoothly. I do think the clubs that were there the week before we were would, would probably have a slightly different experience or certainly had a different experience that first week. But for us, by the time we got there, everything was relatively smooth with testing, with meals, with isolating teams. And then the positive is we were grateful we could get back and play. So what, I mean, that's really, that's really interesting to hear. I mean, what were those training sessions and that training environment like? I mean, you've already said, you know, the, the admiration you had for the, for the team and the coaches. And, you know, I completely appreciate that because of the surreal environment. But what was that environment like in training? You know, it must have been something like they had never experienced before. And 
um, you know, something you've probably never observed before. I mean, can you give us a bit of an insight on onto what it was like in those sessions? For the players, it's a slightly different. So we had, so we're at the these resorts. It's a resort that we had the full run of for the majority of the time. Once the teams, once we got to the final eight, we all moved into one of the two hotels that were at the resort. One of the buildings, I should say. But prior to that, we had the run of the whole resort and. Players is a slightly different experience to staff because staff, you know, you can get up and, and you have the activities, you have the gym, you have your work, whereas players have a slightly different experience because they need to rest and be ready for training, et cetera. But we trained at night at 7 p.m. each night because of the heat and because our games were all night games. Thankfully that we didn't have to do one of the 9 a.m. kickoffs. But so for us, what I recognized and our, our players do love our training. I think our technical staff, Bob, and they, they, the training sessions are very bright. They're energetic. They are, um, and, and the players love them. So it's not to say this was unique to Orlando, but what I did notice is there was an additional level of just freedom that the players felt that when they were out there training and playing the games, they were out of their rooms. They were, the masks were off. And they and you just sort of sense the joy again of why they all started, which was really refreshing to see. And I that's not to say we don't see it regularly with our group. As I say, I think our players love the training and the games and improving and working with the staff, etc. But yeah, in Orlando, that was the place where the players really could just be free and just enjoy being together and, and playing. There must have been so much enthusiasm as well there. I mean, it must have been, almost, you know, obviously you've been on preseason camps and things like that, and it's probably a slightly different feel to that, but it must have been nice to see such a high morale in the camp as well. And I presume Bob and the technical staff kind of, um, you know, recognised that as well. Yes, for sure. And obviously we had every intention of going and, and winning and, and bringing a trophy home. And, and while we, we fell short in that regard, that is, you know, our, our guys did show great ambition. I mean, some of the highs that we had in the tournament were exceptional. And, you know, there were no excuses made. We were without the best player in the league. And, and, and while there are excuses there, um, the guys just embraced the challenge and wanted to make a statement. And in some regards, they did, uh, just not quite didn't quite close everything with a with a tournament with a championship, but or a, t- a trophy, I should say. But you you know the guys do. We we have a young group for the most part. We've got some really great veteran guys as well, and it's a locker room or a changing room for our international audience that is unlike many I've seen. I mean, it it is it really is a really good group. They enjoy playing together. They enjoy being with one another, and I think they've been frustrated that that has been limited because of the the pandemic. But we're certainly willing to or, or really exploited that and, and really enjoyed being with one another in in Orlando. John, it it sounds like uh, this experience really kind of amplified a lot of the a lot of the things that you've been building there, along with you know, Coach Bradley and and everyone else in the front office and your players. Did you learn anything like re- really new? Did you have any aha moments? Did like the constraints of the bubble, um, the constraints around training, the constraints around the way that you um, kind of operated? Did any of those elicit an aha moment uh, from like anyone from either yourself or your staff, where you're like, ah, we 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 we're doing this one thing slightly different. Maybe we'll actually take this into um, future operations for the club, whether that's part of the training session or the way that you were looking at players. Um, anything on the aha moment front? What was really just positive for me is we've never done a preseason trip 
um, I think our first year, because we opened on the road, we went to Sacramento literally for a night, played a game just to get used to that rhythm because we opened in Seattle our, our first season. But we have never done a trip together aside for, you know, the one-off game where, you know, and occasionally we'd have a few nights in a hotel because of a road trip or two games on the East Coast or, or what have you. But we've never done that as a club, which is unique because most clubs, they go away for preseason and they have the two to three weeks like Matt, Matt mentioned. We've never done that. And I think for me, what was so what was eye opening is I do think we need to not to say I want to take guys away from their families for, you know, the three and a half weeks we were gone. That was certainly a challenge. But finding the right balance where we we definitely love being home. We benefit from our climate, our facilities, with teams coming here. So we don't need to travel, but I am thinking of ways in which we can, you know, one of the, it was actually our equipment manager because, you know, when I'm there in Orlando, I'm at training, you know, every day and we're in the, we're all on the same floor. And, you know, the equipment manager actually came up to me one day and he's like, you know what the, what's the coolest thing is he's like you and Steve, a guy, you know, well, Will Koontz, who's our assistant general manager. He's like, you guys are here and you're just one of the guys. And that's so cool. And I thought, you know what, that's only because of these constraints that, that, and Look, I am the furthest thing from a hierarchical, like distant type of guy. I mean, I fully believe I work for everybody in our operation and not the other way around. So it's, it, we certainly have close relationships and, and I, I would like to think I work fairly closely with everybody, but that definitely opened my eyes to be, to, to think of ways in which whatever the new reality looks like of, of making sure we're, we're more intentional about time away from the field together as an organization. Yeah, that was certainly eye opening for me. So was, was there anything that you would have done like differently? That you, that you definitely learn. You're like, ah, man, we didn't get that right. We, we would definitely do that one differently. You know, aside from the sort of tactical X's and O's that is Bob's certainly expertise of maybe doing one, tweaking one thing or a play different or what have you. Operationally, I think, you know, one thing that I did notice is we had far fewer injuries than, especially soft tissue injuries, than any other team. That was my big concern going in. And I think, again, the amount of interaction between our performance department and our technical staff is always very productive and at a really high and consistent level. But I think being in the hotel together, you know, uh, rubbing shoulders even more than normal, I think was of great benefit. But I'm definitely going to do a postmortem once we get back to the office um, on Thursday and can get back to you with an answer on that. Nothing immediately jumps out. My my immediate concern was player health, given the conditions, given how many games we had in a short time, et cetera. But I think um, if I if you'd have asked me that question, what do you think you would answer at the end of the tournament? That would have been my my guess. But I actually think we we managed that well. Do you think it was a? Um, you mentioned the medical staff and the, you know, the lack of injuries there, which is obviously great. Do you think that the players themselves maybe took a bit more? interest in it over the over the not just the bubble but lockdown and I know we're hearing hearing from a lot of other sports that maybe going forward players will have more autonomy over their programs or they'll be more interested to know exactly what goes into the programs and, and why rather than being told to do certain things do you think that relationship between medical and physical staff and, and the players maybe grew stronger over over the over the period in the bubble yeah possibly I also think I hope this is not 100% the cause 
But the reality is players have far fewer options to be unprofessional. And that's not to, that is not a slight on our guys. I mean, I do think our guys have shown pre-pandemic that they are professional. But what I would like to think is that guys see the difference in performance potentially by, I certainly do not think anybody would opt for a bubble in order to perform, but taking lessons that you do learn when you are 100% focused and some options are taken away. You know, if I'm a player and I'm in that environment and I did feel the difference there, I certainly think that logic would have it that you would implement that whenever we're the other side of this. I'd be really interested to, to catch up with you again, actually, after you say when you get back and do a bit of a post-mortem. I think from a, um, from a personal perspective as well, I know you said at the top of the podcast about reflecting as a team and an organization, but but personally as a as a leader, is there anything you maybe learned about yourself through that period, and um, and obviously about your staff and players as well potentially? But did you kind of you know do you look back now and think I, I focused on that? I think I did that well, or is it, this is maybe something I do differently? Is there, is there lessons maybe you learned about yourself? Yes, for sure. And I don't I can't remember who it was, but some a, a far wiser person than me said, you know, there are times that when you lead by walking around, and I do definitely feel that that is naturally my default sort of golf club of leadership is I I like being around people I like connecting with them and walking downstairs into the performance department say what do you guys need what's going on and gleaning a lot that way and I think that works in our organization under normal circumstances but then what was a real challenge for me frankly is I was never a fan of video conferencing and anybody you know and I read study after study probably commissioned by Zoom or Webex or or Cisco or something saying how it's exactly the same and Virtual teams are just as productive, et cetera. I was a total skeptic, but I do have to say, and maybe it was because I was it was necessity, I did adapt to that. And now my role at LAFC is not just within a football operation, but it's organization wide. And what I want to improve on is my connection throughout the whole organization. I think we've we pride ourselves as a club of not being a two-part organization where the business collides with the sporting side uh, every other weekend on a home match, but rather we are, there's not a business side and a sporting side. It is just one organization. And I think we've, we've operated that way to great effect. I mean, Steve knows some of the leadership on the business side, but you know, they have been incredible mentors to me. I learned so much from them. I just said, we're not a business side. And I said on the business side, but I do think what I learned is that especially because I'm not at the downtown office every day is how I can, for the good of the, the, the company and the club, how I can connect better with the staff as a whole, given that my default is to walk around and you know connect with people and do in-person meetings and catch-ups and quarterly meetings, etc. That was um, something that I've identified amongst a few things that I certainly need to improve upon. And John, so 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 pivoting a little bit, like what's next? So so right now, you know, the league the league's finishing up the tournament and now shifting to you know presumably home markets. What's uh, what, what are you guys planning for right now? Nothing has been finalized, and so we've had various iterations suggested to us, and you know everything as 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 you guys know changes daily with numbers and and market conditions etc so we're, we're having to be nimble and and scenario plan a number of different approaches what i am what we are planning for is an eventual return to home markets where we're traveling to games home and away 
initially, I think it'll likely be without fans, certainly here in Los Angeles. And I think the policy of, of, of spectators will likely be will be market specific. I think they're going to minimize travel. So I think as best you can, you'll see a schedule where um, it'll be east, sure it'll understand. be east coast, west coast, and trying to get as many regular season games in. But the plan and the hope is certainly to complete a regular season. We've now played the three group games in Orlando, counted towards your league season. You had the two pre-pandemic, so five games so far. And the hope is that we could see some you know, remaining, I don't know, 15, 20 games, however many we can fit in within markets and then lead into a playoffs and then an MLS Cup later in the year. We still have the challenge of Champions League, which I've heard less specifics on, but the hope is obviously that as much as we can to have games in and out of markets, reduce travel, reduce risk of spread and, and infection. Training back in our market, obviously we start up again this week. There will be regular testing which we will continue with of all staff and players and discipline required off the field, obviously to, to, to keep going. And there will have to be plans, emergency plans in place of in cases of an infection and isolating individuals, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, the plan is sometime soon or as soon as is safe to return to, to play in markets. And, and so when you do get to return to play, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, you use the word discipline, you know, you reference the fact that none, none of the players on your team have, uh, have tested positive yet. And let's be honest, like, you know, I mean, it, in some ways catching COVID, I mean, you, you can say it's kind of a crap shoot, but in a lot of ways too, it's just like, if you, if you, if you, if you're really, really diligent, you reduce your chances significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you think that that discipline is going to give you guys a competitive advantage? And, and I guess the overarching question too, is like, can sports teams globally use that type of discipline, um, as a competitive advantage, um, you know, in the, in the, in the foreseeable future as, as all of these leagues kind of start back up? As humans, we learn from each other. And I, I can't help but think if you talk to a baseball player now versus a, that same baseball player two, three weeks ago, I'm sure their approach is different. And I think that's where some, some tough lessons had to be learned early on in Orlando in early July, last week of June. And while you can reduce risk, I don't know the exact cause of the infections in Dallas and Nashville, et cetera. And so I, I don't want this to, to sound like anybody is at fault here. But certainly we are more precautious when we see things like this. I mean, I think, you know, Rudy Gobert has been famous for what, what happened with him and the quick learning he had. And then I think it led to an adjustment in all of our behavior. I mean, I have to say when you first saw people walk, the first people you saw with masks, you, you're, you sort of thought like, wow, that's, you know, I respect your, your desire to be ultra conservative. Whereas now if you see someone without a mask, you have the opposite, you know, it's things have changed. And I think the, the nature of these last few months has been very quick learnings. I mean, think about how different this conversation would be if we'd have had this in January. I mean, it mm. is like we're living in another, in like a parallel universe and we we're all learning from, I don't want to call it the mistakes of others, but the experience of others. And certainly baseball now and what they're going through right now will have to serve as a lesson for us as we look to, you know, I don't think we are going to be doing road trips like they do. At least that's my understanding of what they're doing. We're just going to go in and out as quick as possible and minimize travel. But yeah, we're all we're all learning from each other. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's, it's definitely a positive and a negative that, isn't it? I think it's we've seen the industries 
feels like a smaller place because people are talking more because they're having to learn. But at the same time, obviously, we wouldn't want to be in this situation. A couple of quick fire questions to finish, John. And, and you know, we've asked this to all the guests and it's it's really, you know, I'm sure you had some spare time in the bubble and before that in lockdown. Was there anything that you um, that you read or you watched or you listened to that, you know, really kind of made, made you think in terms of a podcast or a show or a book? Uh, and that doesn't have to be work related. It could be something completely, you know, Netflix or Amazon. But is there anything out for the listeners out there that you you would recommend? Yeah, great question. And uh, Steve is actually a, a good source, a better source than I. He's so well read. <laughs> I doubt I'm unique in this, but I just read Range in the Bubble, mm-hmm. and I found it fascinating. And and I know it's been well documented. And I read that, and I I, I actually had all intentions of being uh, of thinking to myself, okay, I'm away from my family. I'm going to catch up on every show that I've missed in the last eight years. And I made it through. I think it was four episodes of The Wire, which I really liked, but I just didn't have have time as much time as I was hoping. But I I did read a bit of range every day and 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 got through that. And I I found it very thought provoking, especially for me as a father, certainly, but then also as we look, you know, we just signed, which was really exciting for for the club. We just signed our first three academy graduates, our homegrown players, as of July one. And all that is I say that because that is you know, our academy and really maximizing the potential of all this talent that's here in Los Angeles and how you go about different ways of doing that. You know, I don't think that's quite been done. And I think, or, or to date quite as, um, you know, in the galaxy have done a, have done a good job and certainly have produced some players. So I don't want that to, to sound insulting, but there are so, so many players here. And I think it's not a talent. It's not an issue of talent. It's an environment and, and what, what environment and, and learning, what learning environment you, and, and training environment you are providing for these young kids, some as early as eight, it hits home as a father and now as somebody who is helping to guide our process of developing talent. Uh, I found that that book really, really interesting. And, you know, it, it starts off with a very good introduction comparing Roger Federer and Tiger Woods and kind and unkind environments. But I would certainly recommend that for anybody with a curious mind, but certainly for parents or anybody interested in, in talent development. That is, that is a very good one. And in, in, in The Wire, man, that is, that is a commitment. Great, great show, but it is, <laughs> it is a commitment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the range is, uh, is, is a great one. And this was great. So thank you very much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And, you know, good luck in the, uh, in the near future once you guys uh, figure out what's, what's next as far as the home market matches go. But thanks for taking the time and, and good luck for the rest of the season. No, of course. This is my small, small way of, of giving back. Steve, you've certainly been so helpful to me and, and leaders in general, Matt, has been great over the years to me. So I'm, this is my small way of giving back and I'm all too happy to do so. No, not at all. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you with us at the PA and, and at the events. And I thank you very much. And, uh, I'm four seasons into the wire as well, so um, I'm. I'm do I'm I need to? Do I make the commitment and keep going? Yeah, you need to keep going for sure. I've been told that I'm I'm in the in the uh, I think best best seasons are three and four, so I'm 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 in the midst of that at the moment. But um, but not John. Seriously, really really appreciate it. Hopefully, you can uh, enjoy a little bit of downtime now after a very busy few weeks, even if even if you're back in the office on on Thursday. But looking forward to catching up again soon, and, and take care and best of luck to everyone at the club. Thanks, gents. That's it for another episode. But if you've enjoyed these podcasts, then you can find many more like this on the Leaders Content Hub as well as on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn too because we'll be posting all the content on there. Joining the staff have attended many events in the past and if you want to do the same as well as accessing all the content, virtual learning and also engage with over 700 members from 150 teams in 25 countries and 20 sports worldwide then head over to leadsandsport.com forward slash performance to learn more about becoming a member of the home of total high performance thanks again to our podcast sponsor football manager the global hit computer simulation like i said earlier on in today's data age football manager data is used by professional clubs at all levels in 51 countries and helps identify talent to optimize their recruitment process for scouting teams all around the world to find out more, email data at footballmanager.com. Once again, thank you to John Ports and the team behind the team for helping to pull this together. We all hope you're enjoying these conversations. We are certainly enjoying having them. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon. <music>